without culture. These are relative differences, of course, and wherever accident grants a little reprieve from some human folly, it must be assumed that time is running out and the immunity is about to disappear. As an aspect of my own intellectual life as a bookish child in the far west, I was given odds and ends. Dido pining on her flaming couch, Lewis and Clark mapping the wilderness, without one being set apart from the other as especially likely to impress or satisfy anyone. We were simply given these things with the assurance that they were valuable and important in no specific way. I imagine a pearl diver finding a piece of statuary under the Mediterranean, a figure immune to the crush of depth, though up to its waist in sand and blue with cold, in tatters of seaweed, its eyes blank with astonishment, its lips parted, to make a sound in some lost dialect, its hand lifted to a city long since lost beyond indifference. The diver might feel pity at finding so human a thing in so cold a place. It might be his privilege to react with a sharper recognition than anyone in the living world could do, though he had never heard the name of Phidias or Myron. The things we learned were in the same way merely given for us to make what meaning we could of them. This extended metaphor comes to you courtesy of Mrs. Bloomsburg, my high school Latin teacher, who led five or six of us through Horace and Virgil and taught us patience with that strange contraption called the epic simile, which, to compare great things with small, appears fairly constantly in my own prose, modified for my own purposes. It was also Mrs. Bloomsburg who trudged us through Cicero's fast sentences, clause depending from clause, the whole cantilevered with subjunctives and weighted with a culminating irony. It was all over our heads. We were bored but dogged. And at the end of it all, I think anyone can see that my style is considerably more indebted to Cicero than to Hemingway. I admire Hemingway. It is simply an amusing accident that it should be Cicero, of all people, whose influence I must resist. This befell me because I was educated at a certain time in a certain place. When I went to college in New England, I found that only I and a handful of boys prepared by Jesuits shared these quaint advantages. In giving them to Ruth, I used her to record the intellectual culture of the West as I experienced it myself. The peculiarities of my early education are one way in which being from the West has set me apart. A man in Alabama asked me how I felt the West was different from the East and the South, and I replied that in the West, lonesome is a word with strongly positive connotations. I must have phrased my answer better at the time because both he and I were struck by the aptness of the remark, and people in Alabama are far too sensitive to language to be pleased with a phrase such as strongly positive connotations. For the moment it will have to serve, however. I remember when I was a child at Coolin or Sagal or Talachi, walking into the woods by myself and feeling the solitude around me build like electricity and pass through my body with a jolt that made my hair prickle. I remember kneeling by a creek that spilled and pooled among rocks and fallen trees with the unspeakably tender growth of small trees already sprouting from their backs and thinking there is only one thing wrong here, which is my own presence and that is the slightest imaginable intrusion. Feeling that my solitude, my loneliness, made me almost acceptable in so sacred a place. 
I remember the evenings at my grandparents' ranch at Segal and how in the daytime we chased the barn cats and swung on the front gate and set off pitchy, bruising avalanches in the woodshed and watched my grandmother scatter chicken feed from an apron with huge pockets in it, suffering the fractious contentment of town children rusticated. And then the cows came home, and the wind came up, and Venus burned through what little remained of the atmosphere, and the dark and the emptiness stood over the old house like some unsought revelation. It must have been at evening that I heard the word lonesome spoken in tones that let me know the privilege attached to it, the kind of democratic privilege that comes with simple deserving. I think it is correct to regard the West as a moment in history much larger than its own. My grandparents and people like them had a picture in their houses of a stag on a cliff admiring a radiant moon.